It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 416. And Sam Kavanagh is in the building. Finally. Yeah, clap yeah, it Yeah, clap it in. Clap it in. Yeah. Hey, young Sammy. Oh, look, I'm, I'm feeling really, uh, really honoured. Confused? To, yeah, very <laughs> confused. I mean, I, I was asking a lot of questions when I got here because I'm driving in. I like to be prepared. Yeah. Mm. And, I'm, and I was listening to some some episodes and I was like, I've got no fucking idea what we're going to talk about. Yeah. Neither do we. That's good. <laughs> That's the beauty of the show. Actually, well, to give you a sense of what it's like, yeah. uh, 97, we had a statement from Ben Fordham mm. in regards to um, mm. uh, the show. We've got the Gronk Squad and all that sort of thing. There's been a bit of a war going on because we started giving people titles, i.e. Okay. Queen Gronk, King Gronk, sure. and uh, it, well, back, it any, backfired. Anytime there's you know that hierarchy. It can cause problems. Well, I'm sure it does. Well, you had you uh, interviewed Reese Maston. I'm at very the familiar with Reese Maston. The yeah. producer. Remember what was like the producer conference. Uh, conference. Yep. yep. So Sammy Cav is like the uh, for people who aren't in Australia, he's like the number one content head. I reckon in Australia. Like you had Hamish and Andy. You were the executive right. producer of Hamish and Andy. I reckon even for people in Australia, it's worth um, <laughs> saying. Uh, I, I wouldn't say well, number one I reckon, content head. I reckon you are. I think like okay, if you lovely. look at if you um you are. I'm like a producer. A, yeah, but you, um, if you look at Hamish and Andy, which was mm. the most successful radio sh- show in Australia, sure. that's fair to say. Y- yeah, I mm. know, but it's not fair to give me all credit. For <laughs> well, yeah, you, were, you were there at the early days, the inception, sure. and the producer is a in- integral, a crucial part of any team. Thank you. It's the thing we have missing, yeah. even though Mr. 97 <laughs> calls himself a producer. And so, anyway. <laughs> he looks much more professional than I <laughs> ever with, did. With the hair and everything. Yeah, I mean, you much. had some pretty crazy hair. That's true. Um, but anyway, so uh, you talked when you had Reese Masson on stage, you were talking about the importance of naming your audience. How would you remember that? I mean, how many, I, this I, is like mate, 10 fans, fans, not fans, not listeners. listeners mate. We all remember it. This is everyone who saw it. that we've built is based on Got fans, it. not listeners. Well, that's great. Uh, <laughs> so I'm t- so you, I get to take credit for the success Absolutely. of this yeah, and Hamish and Andy. Absolutely. Yeah, and Reese Maston. That's actually going to be quoted on radio today. So watch what you say. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, you talked about, yeah. uh, I think it was the Mastinators. What are they called? What are they called? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was it? what was Reese no. Maston? No, sure it wasn't the Mastinators. <laughs> the little, the little Mastinators. Yeah, the secret dirty Mastinators. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that was. But it. he had a yeah. he, he he had, had a, a nickname he had a crew for yeah. his um, fans. Yeah. So what we've was got it? the, the little the little the little something. There was the little monsters, which was ninety yeah. seven. Can you have a look up what the Google Reese Maston fans yeah. name and yeah. see what comes up. Little masters. Yeah. But anyway, so we, we landed on the Gronk Squad. Uh, and I think that where we went wrong was mm. trying to differentiate levels and have hierarchy. You, you, had, you said some, you had a favourite child. And, <laughs> exactly. and then, yeah. your other kids are not wrapped yeah. with that. But the thing is, how about uh, calling out a favourite child and then they actually mm. say, I don't want to be the favourite. I don't want favourites because that's what's mm. actually happened. Uh, did you find out about the Reese Masson? No, nah, not yet. That's strange. Little Mon- Reese no. Masson isn't his SEO is not what it used to yeah. be. <laughs> Maybe we could do we some SEO work. Can you read out uh, the Ben Fordham ben yeah, statement, yeah. please? Yeah, boy, boys, here's some mail for you. Having listened to the latest podcast, I would like to clear something up. While I'm flattered being included in all the talk of kings and queens. <laughs> I've never sought high office in this great community and have no interest in such a role. Yeah. It goes against who I am and what I stand for. He's getting some heat. That's what this is about. (laughs) Why? Well, let me explain. 
I'm just one of the Gronks. I'm an everyday Gronk, a Gronk amongst Gronks. All the other Gronks know what I'm talking about. I may be, I may be a proud and passionate Gronk, sure, but I'm still just one of the Gronks. That's what Gronks love about being a Gronk. It doesn't matter what we do or where we come from. When we're together in this place, we're all just Gronks. Jesus. How much time it's has Ben Ford going. got in his hands? It's still going. still going. So spare me any special privileges. Leave me off the VIP list. I've got no interest in the pomp and pageantry. Just let me be a Gronk. That's all I've ever wanted. Let the others fight it out for the titles of king and queen because I'm happy where I am with all the Gronks just being Gronks. Peace, Ben Fordham. It was also his WPM, his words per minute. Yes. <laughs> Quite slow. That was, that was beautiful. <laughs> so anyway, so where we've landed, yesterday I said- Why well, are we talking about Reese Mastin? <laughs> <laughs> well, because it was pointing out the fact mm. that we've got our own Mastinators uh, now. Okay. Yeah. So now you- this <laughs> oh, show, Mastinators, you're going to mm, find it. We the, can't keep defaming his, his team. I think it was the Mast- Mastinators. <laughs> So, I mean, I guess for me, this show makes less sense the longer I'm on it. <laughs> but anyway, all you need to know is yeah. that uh, based on everything that happened, Gemma Watts is still the Queen Gronk. We got a bunch of pushback on that. Mm. I agree. That's all fine. What has she done to, to get that? She's been on the show probably 10 times. Many, many times. Say. Big supporter, you know, spreading the word. She organised for Mr. 97 to have his hair coloured by Australia's yeah. number one colourist. I got it. Okay, listen to that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's hard yeah. It's hard to, um, you know, trump her. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So what What, what have you thought? Because you, it was your idea to remove it all. Well, I, just what's happened, I, was just, I was just over the bullshit. <laughs> I just, and so, but I'm happy yeah. with where it stands because the amount of flack that we got for removing g- hierarchies completely... Mm. Comfortable with the Gemma thing. Okay. Trev, mm. Ben, Pete. Fight it out? No, no more fighting. Okay. We're done. Okay. Anyway, that's the only admin that we had, so you don't have to worry. <laughs> no, it's important. I'm glad we got that. Sammy, you, yeah. so you were there at the very start of Hamish Nandy, and you look at us. I'm not comparing us. The confusion you see, but the which confusion. Which one's Hamish and which one's Andy? Well, Someone it? at Amy's work actually said you look like Hamish. Oh, really? I'll it's take insulting that. to Hamish. I'll, I'll take it. I know you will fucking take it. But will Hamish? <laughs> <laughs> no, the confusion you see with us and what we're doing and the space you've walked into yeah. and what we're creating. Yeah. Early days, did it make sense with what was happening around Hamish and Andy? <sighs> did it make sense? Um, look, uh, I guess I'd answer that by going, trying to remember. Um, it was... Oh, 16 years ago, maybe 14 years ago, we um, Hamish came in. I was working on the breakfast show on Fox FM, and I was absolutely the the shit kicker, um, the the lowly assistant producer. And then um, did they make you dye your hair blonde? N- and funnily <laughs> enough, they didn't. And I would just like to say, Mason, that is bullying. <laughs> if you if you want to talk to an actual professional about that, we I'm, don't have an HR. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I'm here to help. Yeah, Dill is actually um, looking after all HR. Uh, yeah, I'm trying. That's yeah. good. Um, and yeah, so Hamish came in as a writer on the show. Uh, we, we'd been mates. And uh, he brought Andy in. They started doing some stuff at night, um, and then it moved to Saturday mornings. And then, I, so I was producing a drive show on Triple M at the time. And then on Saturday mornings, we were doing um, Saturday morning Hamish and Andy. And the beauty of it was we had about two and a half years with no one really paying any attention. 
we got to kind of just do our thing. I remember we would do the show would go for two or three hours. I'm not really sure, and then we would go out for breakfast and celebrate pretty much every show. Like it yeah, was just yeah, great. so much fun, and no one really gave a shit or paid any attention. So we got to make heaps of mistakes. We got to just try stuff. It was just not serious. There was no ratings. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that period of us working out how we operated as a team, working out what the show was while doing the show was, was I think, really similar to what you guys are doing. Yeah. Um, you know, you don't have the pressure of someone – you know, telling you this is what the show should sound like, this is what the audience should be, this mm. is, you know, how you have to work together. Um, you get to just – there's no way to learn that stuff better than just getting on and doing it. Well, you're, you're underplaying your involvement in the whole thing, but uh, Jace Hawkins was on the show the other day and he was talking about – Labby. Yeah, he literally ta- took his whole team from New Zealand to yeah. Melbourne yeah. to start a, the breakfast show here. Yeah. I mean, it shows the importance oh, of totally. who's around you. Well, radio is a team sport. Like, you know, you're making two or three hours of live content every single day. Um, if I always say you look at all successful shows and teams, um, the, the, the shows that are successful have really good teams behind mm-hmm. them. Um, and it's because you've got to rely on each other. It's mm. such a weird mm. thing to put two people in a room and then broadcast that to a city and they have to get along. They have to find each other charming and mm. funny and charismatic. And if the team behind them isn't supportive and, and tuned into what they need, um, it's it's a shit fight real quick. It, it, what's interesting though, because in my head, start with friendship is probably where, where to start. It's the mm. important key to it all. Mm. But then... There's the Tracy and Matt, that the rumours of they didn't like each other, you know, mm. the and even Jace brought up somebody who they did it remote. He worked on a show where they did it in different states yeah. because they hated mm. each other. We're a gossip heavy show. But but, the then, but then <laughs> but then the, the product somehow works. Which I, I think it's yeah. m- Do you have to be mates? Do you have to no, be mates I don't to think you have to be friends? No, I mean it depends on what you're trying to create. You guys are trying to create a lifestyle for yourself here, so mm. you want to be mm. friends, but um, you can make interesting content with people who disagree. Mm. I mean, I, I don't watch it, but there's a lot of reality TV out there that would suggest that people fighting is good TV. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, uh, and there's obviously an audience for that. Maybe we're looking at the metric of success, a successful breakfast show that doesn't like each other mm. as French friends yeah. it is getting big numbers. Yeah. It sounds great to the speakers. Mm. I mean, for me, that's not success. Mm. I've mm. working. You probably got me the job in Shepherd and putting in some good words. You're welcome. Um, you definitely saved me the job once when you get a call from my boss. <laughs> we won't go there. What was that about? Oh. Well, we should go there. I could, I was that you the call? police? No, 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 no. What did you do? You it, did I was with Candy still on that show yeah. and it just, it wasn't. You were being a baby. It wasn't that, it wasn't going well. <laughs> but then she called you, the GM of the business called you and, uh, and you yeah, had to yeah, tell yeah, her, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. St- That's right. Stop. And That's right. Because she was yelling. She was really annoyed at you. So <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck has Tommy done in Shepparton? Actually, I've done anything. To upset people so much. Yeah. Do you remember what it was or no? Uh, it, it just wasn't working. No. And I think we'll see, it was just dysfunctional, but I don't think you were the most dysfunctional yeah. part of that. I mean, yeah. How, yeah. Do, how do you, um, if there is a team that's dysfunctional, mm. how do you identify what the issue is and actually resolve it? I just like a good blaming session. Yeah, know, we do blame Mondays. Mondays. <laughs> what, really? Yeah, what's Coming today? <laughs> Today's uh, Tuesday. Today. Yeah. We missed it too. Yeah. Oh, dear. We could do it as a special. <laughs> um, we'll save you, Sammy. <laughs> Thank you. 
Um, so what was the question? <laughs> like how do you identify, you know, if mm-hmm. there's a dysfunctional team, mm. how do you fix it? Okay. Well, there's no short answer to that. I, I have worked with lots of teams that have um, been going through problems and generally I try to I try to get some consensus around what is the show we're trying to make every day. Like if you can get the team agreeing on this is the sort of show we want to make mm. and then get them agreeing on this is the sort of team we want to be involved in and it's kind of uh, objective mm. and, and everyone agrees on that, then it just feels a lot less personal. Mm. So if you're like, okay, well, if that's what we've agreed on that, you know, we're, this is this is the sort of content we're going to bring every day. These are the sort of conversations we're going to have. This is how we're going to deal with it when um, when we get the shits with each other. Because I mean, like, if you're in a breakfast show, like, just think about the sleep depri- deprivation. You mm. know, like, you did it. It's mm. it's it's so easy to get the shits. Mm. Like, so if you haven't had a conversation when you're kind of awake and um, it's not in the heat of the moment about here's what we're going to do when things go bad. It's no wonder that it gets toxic Mm -hmm. really quickly. So I facilitate lots of conversations like that. It doesn't always work, but sometimes it gives teams just something to look at that's external. So when they're feeling frustrated or annoyed or like they're not being heard, there's just something you can come back to that's in black and white that you've agreed on at Mm -hmm. a time when things weren't bad. And that often helps people have better conversations. It's hard when things aren't working either Mm. from Mm. a success metric point of view. Like if you're not getting the ratings and you're annoyed Mm. with each other, like you could see how that would. It spirals real quick. We also need good leadership. Like we've got a bunch of people who listen who are on regional breakfast Mm. shows and things Mm. like that. Mm. If they're say talent and they're feeling these issues, how do you do it from, because I guess you're looking at it from that leadership perspective. Can a single person within an on-air team Mm. make that change? It's really hard, but I mean, the thing I always come back to is these conversations. So if you're talking about having conversations with someone you're annoyed at, right? Um, Those conversations are a skill that you aren't, it's not an innate thing. Mm -hmm. It's something you need to practice. It's something you need education around. Um, It's ridiculous to say to um, a breakfast show that's not getting along, you guys just need to sort this out. Like it's a little bit like saying, you guys just need to be a lot funnier yeah. or you need to speak Japanese. Mm. Like it's a mm. skill. All the advice he gave us when he walked in. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a skill that, that if you haven't had any practice or training in, mm. it's, it, it's, you know, it's not going to work. So the, the approach to that would be if you are a regional breakfast show um, and it's not working, it's like where am I going to get that education? Mm. How am I going to practice those conversations? Um, I think that's that's where I would start and, you know, the success of Hamish and Andy is absolutely they put the effort in to all the off-air shit, like mm-hmm. all the difficult things of, of making stuff together and having creative conversations all day, every day, like they put the effort in to getting all of those skills right as well as their performance skills and comedy skills and writing skills and mm-hmm. everything was, else. Was the vision there? Was the l- long-term vision there. No, I don't think there was any long-term vision other than we had worked on dysfunctional teams and knew that that's not what we wanted, Yeah, you know. So we'd worked within teams where people didn't get along mm. and we saw how unfun that was. Yeah, <laughs> And so we fumbled our way through trying to create a better environment, I guess, and um, none of us came into this knowing 
anything, but we figured it out along the way because we knew what we didn't want. Um, so it's yeah. funny these creative jobs. There's a there's a real piece of self development in them. You learn uh, how to. So le- that's a really good point. Lean into uncomfortable conversations. Mm. Do you know what it is? I think about this a lot, and I think it's because in a creative team, it's much less clear. There's a better way to put that sentence, but it's never clear what's right or wrong. Yeah. Mm. So Josh could come in and say, we should do a show on pets. And you could come in and say, I think that's really boring. And you're both right. So <laughs> yeah. if you, one's more right than the other. <laughs> I'm definitely more but right. You, but <laughs> People love animals, you're fucking idiot. <laughs> but because it's creative, like if the conversation was, if you, this was a yeah. business that was selling cups, you know, yeah. it's kind of, it's not, personal mm-hmm. and the success mesh metric isn't you know what's funny or what's more interesting it's what's going to sell more so it's i think it's easier to um uh facilitate through those conversations but you're right if it's a creative thing it's so much subjective multiple is, truths yeah. yeah so does that mean that as a producer is it mm. then your role to say okay tommy you're saying this josh you're saying this this is actually what's right no no, I would never pretend that I know what's right. <laughs> so what, how, do, how do you actually get to a conclusion? I, um, in those conversations, I'm just trying to make sure everyone's hearing what each other's saying <laughs> and, um, and, and trying to be one step removed and going, I think what you're actually saying is this, but this might be how it's mm. being heard yeah. or this is how it feels mm. when you say that. Or, I mean, fuck, I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but, yeah, no, I'm not trying to decide what's right. I'm just trying to get people into an environment where they can actually have a conversation with each other. Over years you see you're testing and learning with ideas. So you're seeing what lands, Mm. what sticks, Mm -hmm. what doesn't. Is there markers do you think for a good idea? Like for me personally, I know the videos that have gone viral. I I had a feeling about them. I just Mm. was convinced in some way. I was like, fuck, this is great. Mm. And I've had that same feeling across the three ones that I've done. Mm. And I don't know how to quite articulate. It's it's like a thought about the idea that I become obsessed with. And well, I'm it's like, the chicken and egg thing I'm too. I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Which comes first? Is it the great idea or the passion that you bring to it? Yeah. So you actually execute it and you put yeah. it out in the world as well. Is have you seen and have you in in terms of identifying an, a good idea? Um, oh, look, I've got lots of ideas about it. There's no science or there's no exact science to it, but I would say if you looked at those three videos, you would easily be able to draw comparisons between the three around. It's not just your enthusiasm. If our enthusiasm was all that took for an idea to be successful, (laughs) then it would be easy. But if you looked at those three ideas, there would be some kind of creative points that would be similar between the three. And then absolutely the effort you put behind it Mm. is the difference between things being successful or not. But, um, you know, there'd be some sort of creative tension, the way you set the idea up, the payoff. Mm. There'd be things in there that, that would be similar, absolutely, mm. I think. Mm. Yeah, there definitely is. I mean, what I liked about the ones I'm referring to, I tested and I, and I tested some of my thinking around length and mm. how long things should be and how it's mm. and, and, I, and I went against it mm. on purpose mm. and they landed. You That's know, a longer video worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when everyone's telling you shorter, shorter, shorter. Mm. And so this is where it, um, the confusion you feel about what we're doing is what we feel in some circ- in some instances because I think it relates yeah. to this creative world where a lot of us are now living in where it does make sense. Yeah. But we're feeling it. We're feeling – we're vibing it out mm. and, we're put, and we're putting our foot forward and trying. And I guess if you look at it through that sort of industrial – 
black and white lens, I think so many things, would, creative, awesome things wouldn't happen, right? Because exactly. some of the best stuff doesn't make any sense at all, mm. you know? This being one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Invato <laughs> as a brand, you know, early days. Like, yeah. Do they pay you to wear those jumpers? <laughs> no, no it's just very extremely comfortable. <laughs> well, I've just yeah. reckoned in, how many years have I known you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for what? It would be seven years, something? More than yeah. that. When was yeah. Fifi and Jules? Yeah, 2012. Were you 2012? wearing it at... Nah, no, nah, I wasn't. No, well, you no. were wearing a jumper that was exactly the same. Yeah, as I, I haven't really changed that you much. You haven't. No. But, the, but I feel like your glasses are a bit more snazzy. Yeah, these are actually yeah. Steve Jobs, the specific uh, one. Yeah, so he doesn't wear, And director. he doesn't wear snapbacks anymore. No. Nah. Because he looks about two years old when he wears a snapback. <laughs> what about that photo you put on Instagram? Oh, from Thailand. Wow. Yeah. My biggest crazy. question around that photo is... And I, this might be too personal to yeah. answer, uh -huh. but you, were you with Brie yeah. then? Yeah. So did Brie, did Brie have her own challenges at that time? or Not what's... like crazy other than having me as a boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> what's fascinating is Brie says she doesn't, she doesn't remember, remember him like that. Yeah. So, she... so it was just a bad photo. <laughs> <laughs> is Brie religious? No. I'm, are you trying to figure this out? Well, Oh, knowing Brie, like they I mean, got together when they were fifth. They got together. Funny. My personality. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure. They got oh, together when they were 15. Okay. Yeah, 16. 16? Yeah. And so it's a long Did you time. make her sign some sort of 10-year contract? Yeah. <laughs> sort of it's with the only way to do it. <laughs> Long-term commitments. No, I think it was, I mean, the interesting thing is you look back at these things and these things creep up on you, right? Like because the, <laughs> is that how she describes yeah. it? <laughs> well, I think it's it's like this incremental it's this incremental thing, right? Where it's like it's the day to day. You're talking about what? Your well, weight. Your yeah. weight, right? And so I think that because of that, I think I'm con constantly aware, and that's why I think with the show, mm. like part of it is just showing up every day, is because sure. we know that those little incremental things actually mm. have these massive impacts that we totally. can't actually see especially because we're in it. Yep. I mean, you had a big uh, life change after spending, mm. you know, a good portion of your adult life mm. in radio. Yeah. You decided to try something completely different, went yep. to Thinkabell. Yep. What was that experience like? It was amazing. Um, so Thinkabell is, is this incredible creative advertising agency, not too far from here. Um, and, yeah, look, I'd been producing radio shows, like the, a day-to-day -day radio show, mm for 16 years um, and I'd done lots of other things like I've, I've had companies I've you know I've got a little podcast network as well um, you've got a criminology degree I have a criminology yeah. degree have yeah. you been wikipedering me no 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 I just no I know these things good um, so like I mean I just say that I've, I've been on boards I've tried to not be too in the bubble mm -hmm. um, but I wanted to do something different so yeah went over as head of production at Thinkabell and it's very hard to put into words just how much you learn when you change industries. Mm. Like it's like learning another language. It, it was even though lots of my skills were really transferable in advertising and Thinkabell is really setting itself up to try and break the model of what an advertising agency is and does and um, are really focused on, you know, multi-platform content solutions, not um, as well as traditional advertising. And so – you know, we did some amazing things. One of the first ideas I worked on, um, the idea was we would find Australia's coldest town, mm -hmm. which is this place called Waratah in Tasmania. Have you seen the video? Mm -hmm. I yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I saw yeah. it a little bit. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. I saw it because actually you had, um, was it Sunrise or Today Show? Sam Mack on Sunrise. Sam, yeah. yeah. He was 
he was as part of the whole thing. He actually yeah. went to the town, right? Yeah, yeah. So live on live on sunrise, we managed to get this whole town together, uh, and it's like this place is in on the west coast of Tasmania. Population about a hundred. Um, it rains three hundred and seventeen days a year. Oh. It's fucking cold. I like think I would like it. I think that could be because we're talking about me one day having sort of some form of ISDN line where I just sort of have my own uh, studio. Yeah, and right, just, you just kind of keep disappearing yeah. back yeah. into your own cave. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Remember how you Got said that, that creeps up on you? Yeah. That Thailand photo will be back. Yeah. No, because I'll be walking. No, it's raining, mate. You don't want to fucking raincoat. Rain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, come on. It sounds beautiful. It's not. Um, <laughs> and uh, and the whole idea was we would surprise them with a holiday to the Gold Coast, but they had to leave immediately. So thinking through the logistics of getting 70 people on camera, on live TV, mm -hmm. ready to go and get on a private plane in two hours' time. It's got a radio vibe with the Massively, oh, yeah. massively. Yeah. 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 So, you know, and then they had this incredible weekend on the Gold Coast. We filmed the whole thing, turned that into social content. It was for Accor, was it? Accor Hotels, yeah. yeah. Um, so... That was a good example of getting to come in and problem solve in a whole new industry and mm. a whole new way of how are we going to do this? How's it going to look? How, you know, how are we going to get people? Like, what if people turn up and they've forgotten their medication or they've left their dog at home? Or, you know, yeah. how do you give people enough information so they're prepared but don't yeah. spoil yeah, the surprise? No deaths on the trip. You know? There was zero, <laughs> zero deaths on the trip. I oh, like to report. Oh, that's good. I mean, yeah. switching roles or industries. Mm. Seth Godin talks a lot about status and things like that. Mm. Was there a status shift that went on from you are the top dog at uh, Southern yeah. Cross Oz Terrier? Yeah, I would never describe myself as that. <laughs> that but he barked a lot around the office. As I said top dog, you said yes, yes, yes. What was the status well, shift? Oh, massive. I mean, I had to, and I knew going in, but it's like one thing to know it cognitively and it's another mm. thing to actually live it. Mm. How, I mean, it wasn't so much about status, but just the emotional exhaustion of not knowing what the fuck's yeah. going on mm. yeah. all day, every day. Like people are talking a language and you sort of get it, mm. but you're constantly having to ask, what does that mean? What does that mean? How do I do that? Where do I find that? Who's that person? What was that you were talking about? Like mm. it's yeah. just exhausting. Mm. And um, so I guess there was the status shift, but it was more just um, it took a long time to really be able to, for the simple things to be simple. You know what I mean? Like when you guys walk in here, you, there's things that you know how to set up that are just yeah. second nature to you. Mm. And there was heaps of my previous career that was second nature to me. Yeah. And <clears throat> walking into a new industry, it's just this whole other part of your brain that turns on because nothing is second nature. Mm. So you just go home every night exhausted? Yes. Yeah. How, naked. And how long does it take? What's that? I reckon I was just starting to get the hang of it six months in. Yeah. Um, it's just starting to, as I say, for the simple things to be simple. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it took a, it took a while. Um, but in that time we still made some incredible things. Like it was mm -hmm. this beautiful um, combination where they were very open and, and encouraging of the fact that because I, hadn't, I didn't have the industry experience, I was able to see things in a different way. So that idea of how do you get a town from A to B, mm -hmm. you know, I was able to bring a whole lot of different thinking into that because, um, you know, in radio you're yeah. constantly trying to figure out weird shit. Yeah. What's your visceral response to problems? Have you built a, a, a muscle where your reflex becomes, great, let's solve it? Or are you, you know, because I feel sometimes 
when we go into a video project, it's like, you know, it's like you can be sort of, it's like an injection of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Not that it happens all the time, mm-hmm. but you, I, I've, I've watched myself have that response regularly where I've needed to pull myself up to mm-hmm. say problems aren't bad. Yeah. Problems well, are just problems and we need to mm-hmm. work out a solution. Well, especially when you've been doing it for a while because you've seen all the problems, you've seen all the fuck up. So there is something nice about mm-hmm. like, younger people coming into a thing without really any sense of like, oh, I haven't had anything go wrong. Naivety, yeah. Being Um, naive is such a weapon. Like mm -hmm. I reckon a lot of the early stuff we did with Hamish and Andy was we were so lucky that we were naive Mm -hmm. and and we didn't quite know or care how difficult things would be until we are in them. I remember very vividly the very first Caravan of Courage when we were over in um, America and the whole idea was we would drive for sort of, you know, six hours, six to eight hours, and then we would try and record a whole lot of content, and then we'd try and edit some of that content, and then the boys would, like, do the live show and we'd insert packages and stuff. Um, and we just massively underestimated how long it would take. Yeah. So the first day we're in this caravan park. It's like three in the morning. We've been going all day. The gear's not working properly. We're in a caravan. Um, It's about 40 degrees. We're getting attacked by mosquitoes and just going, we're about to do this for two weeks. This is only day one. Oh, no. (laughs) And just there was a real moment of, (laughs) Um, But look, we got through that and I remember our tech, Will Armstrong, did you ever meet him? Yeah, Will's Um, great. Yeah, he was just amazing at trying to get all the gear to work and, you know, we're trying to connect ISDN lines and stuff. Um, Anyway, we got that show through and then just had a real kind of come to Jesus meeting around, okay, (laughs) let's just be a little bit clearer with what are we trying to do every day because we just can't do it. And the the guys were trying to make a TV show at the same time. So what are your tells when you're, uh, Mm. you know, the the first uh, day on a project when Mm. you're stressed? How do you notice Personally, oh, that's a great question. Um, what are my tells when I'm stressed? Um, I tend to, I don't, I mean, I think live radio is a really good uh, environment because it's, because it's so fast paced and it's a bit disposable. Like it doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. Like if you fuck something up, you get a chance to do something else the next minute. It's yeah. not like a video project where if we fuck this up, we sort of, it's gone and then yeah. mm-hmm. we have to start again. It, it so um, I don't get too stressed about things going wrong. I get stressed about well, one of the things that was really stressful about um, changing careers was this whole new relationship with clients was a really difficult thing yeah. to get my head around because, like, when you're just making your own stuff. Um, Such a luxury. It is. Oh, yeah. It is. But having to be just adding adding a whole other layer of mm. – um, bringing a client along for the journey was a was a huge education. That was quite stressful. Um, so what do you do? What does it look like? Are you breathing funny? Are you waking up during the night? Lack of sleep, yeah, yeah. Mm. definitely. I, I went through a real period um, through that job of mm. moving a town from, from one place to another of, mm. of just just waking up at two in the morning. Like, <gasps> okay, yeah, shit, yeah. I haven't thought about that. What if, um, oh, what if one town person asks the other town person to look after their dog and then they both win the trip. Mm. Oh, no, we haven't thought about that, you know. Mm. Um, So lack of sleep's a big one. How do you – what's the antidote? Um, I do not know. I actually went to the doctor yesterday (laughs) and uh, (laughs) no no shit and said, um, I'm sort of struggling with sleeping a bit and she's – 
she prescribed melatonin. Oh, yeah. Have you tried that? Yeah, melatonin is good for like jet lag and things yeah. like that because it sort of... What sun well, yeah. releases melatonin yeah, for ecstasy. <laughs> something else. But there's, um, you can also, it's good to like um, get off the blue lights and shit on your phones and stuff uh, before. At night. Okay. That's, um, no, I put the phone away for yeah. like an hour before I go to bed. Oh, so good. then it's the lack of sleep that then... Then it just kind of compounds. Yeah. yeah. And well, then, yeah. I feel like I was saying to 97 the other day, for me, I, I uh, it's before I'm having the lack of sleep and I, I'm stressing about the fact that I'm not going to yeah, sleep. I get that which too. is the, yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is like, if I'm working late and I know I have to get up in the morning, yeah. I shouldn't be tired yet, but I'm fucking ready for it. I'm yeah. like, I'm going to be so tired tomorrow. Yeah, are, right. are us babies made for living <laughs> this lifestyle? Like living that question. snowball effect of no sleep, stress. No Have sleep you read or- um, Lost Connections? No. That's a fucking great book. Lost Connections. Um, I've forgotten the guy's name. Um, we'll pull it up. Yeah. Uh, Johan Hari. That's the one. Um, so he talks a lot about the how the modern world is creating depression mm. and anxiety and how, um, you know, the way humans evolved over the last million years was a certain way around, you know, certain connections to community, certain work-life balances, connections to nature, et cetera, and how we've just stripped so much of that out of, of how we live mm. our day-to-day lives and how we treat depression and anxiety as, as something that, needs to be treated with medication and stopped when it's actually a very reasonable response to a lot of things that um, uh, to a lot of the ways that we're living anyway okay. yeah so, so with, I guess within radio mm. mental health seems like it's a big issue mm. especially on air talent people are wired how do you how do you grapple with that which is people who can be seen as doing fantastically well or whatever but mm. they're personally crumbling. What's your responsibility a really as a producer? Yeah. Um, well, I, look, a lot of what I've talked a lot about as a radio producer was a focus on show and team. You probably remember from the... Um, mm-hmm. from the Slide uh, six. Talks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, that was always my approach as a producer, that you always had to put as much effort into the show, into the team as you did into the show. Mm-hmm. So if the show is the content and the thing that you're making every day mm. and then you have to put an equal amount of attention and energy into the team, which is the people you're working with and the conversations that you're having and, and how healthy is the environment that you're working in um, and, and just thinking about those two things because I think radio is certainly guilty of taking people who are um, different and and what makes them great performers is their ability to push boundaries and think differently and, and often um, can have pretty complicated um, personalities and then will profit on them being really uh, fantastic performers mm. on the air. Mm. So we've got to also make sure we manage um, the downside of that, you mm. know, and manage what that means when those people are off air and feeling vulnerable and insecure and all of those things. Mm. Yeah, um, it isn't an amazing thing. Like you think about a rock star musician that – brings someone so much joy mm. and so from the outside you just they're experiencing a version but mm. then we find out that they're suffering and they're mm. completely devastated with their mm. own existence right mm. it's so that's so hard to get your head around mm. well it seems you like know? teams like having a great team to your point sammy mm. is uh, the answer to that, right? Is it's like I the, don't know if it's the answer, but I think it's part of the solution. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think yeah. it's like for you and I, Josh, 
the meditation stuff I've been doing has definitely been my part mm-hmm. of making this work, yeah. I think. What sort well, of meditation think, are you doing? Uh, Sam Harris's app, Same. Wa- Waking Up. I've been doing that great. every day. So good. It's so I, good, I just worked it, it out. Tw- I've done 27 hours. Right. You, so you can check your minutes. Oh, yeah, I should check it's, mine. Uh, it's awesome. You can not see that it's a competition. It's not a fun, not <laughs> a this isn't Strava. Well, whatever, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> you're fucking idiots. You're missing the point. <laughs> you're missing the point. <laughs> I'm doing one now. <laughs> That's but, it. But do you know what? Why do you think that that app? Because I've tried lots of different sorts of meditation, yeah. and that one really stuck with me. What I've always liked. I like Sam. I like his voice. Mm-hmm. I I think I, I respect him as yeah. as a um academic. And yeah. so I, I but is it a bit of a Trojan horse to meditation? Because I've got the app, and I'm like fucking preparing to. Start. Do you know why? I, do you know why I think it works for me? Like I've done um, transcendental meditation courses where you spend. Ridiculous amounts of money and how much and is it? It's like twelve hundred bucks, thing. No, I think it was like two and a half grand. Can you tell us your word? Don't you come up? Oh, don't no, you get you a word? No, given? I can't. I can't. We, can't we tell said masturbated four times. He <laughs> can't <laughs> say it again. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and look, I did that for a little while, but it just didn't stick. But I think Sam Harris. It's that for people who have very analytical brains, mm-hmm. he he gives you a guided meditation, but he's also giving you. Um, a bit of an education around what is meditation mm. at the same time. Yeah. So that part of your brain that's always when you're meditating going, I don't know if I'm doing this right. Yeah. Is this how it, should it be like this? Ah, oh, fuck. Ah, oh, fucked it. No, yeah. I'm not doing it. Ah, oh, this is a waste of time. Yeah, yeah, Whereas yeah. His, his guided meditation just keeps you, I guess, feeling confident that you're, st- that you're learning mm. what meditation is while you're yeah, doing it. Yeah, because all, all those things are appearances in, com- uh, in, in consciousness. Like Mr. 97 saying, I'm thinking about my breathing. So he say, mm. says, identify that first moment of your breath, but then you start thinking too much about trying to find that. Mm. But then that is a part of the whole process. That's a part of this world we live in, consciousness, mm. and things are happening and mm. all the emotional responses are mm. no, notifications within consciousness yeah. that we're mm. identifying. So, What it, difference has it made for you doing that? I think, um, I think it's definitely... And one of his things, he talks about what are the benefits of meditation Mm. and it's this alarm system that you've created and when you have a practice that you do daily like Mm. meditation or Mm. like awareness, you know, you try. so basically you're becoming aware of your your shortfalls or those Mm. responses that you have that come up naturally, anger Mm. or all of those things. So I think I've become more aware of those responses that come up and not letting them take hold of me and then how I act. Yeah. Right, and I think that that's like the um, the thing with the team dynamic. Like mm. I reckon Tommy doing meditation has probably been the biggest impact on my life wow. in the past like three months. Why? And what, it hasn't. What was he well, like before? Well, no, it was more, it wasn't. The funny thing is the way that Tommy's medita- Tommy has done meditation mm. doesn't mean that he was a problem and he's fixed it. He's mm. worked out how to deal with me. So mm. even though I'm fucking still outrageous and need to meditate, <laughs> he doesn't respond to my anxiety. He doesn't react. And yeah. And mm. so it, we can then have a conversation. And so there's mm. like we used to have blow-ups all the time. We don't have like it's just not a thing anymore. I and think also, Sammy, one of the great benefits for me has been those moments where you're, you're thinking about work or you're, mm. you're feeling anxious about mm. what you've got going on mm. and just being able to step back from that mm. and then just I've been able to get out of those yeah. moments much, much quicker. Mm. Well, we used to love to lean into shit. Yeah. Like we were like, um, 
yeah, Brie was blown away because when she used to like work on the odd occasion at our office, she would see like Tommy and I could be discussing something and we could spend four hours and it could take <laughs> our whole, like half of our day being like why we're doing it this way mm-hmm. because we, we straight away blow it up to if we do it this way, it means all about this, about the mm-hmm. rest of our business mm-hmm. and we're fucking everything's blown up, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a simple email. We didn't get back to that email. This means this. Mm-hmm. And now this is crisis, mm. right? Yep. <laughs> and so we're just not having any crisis moments anymore. Mm. Everything like, and, I, and part of it is the team until the liquidators get here. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but they're not here until August fifteenth. So you're saying, so Tommy meditating has basically means you don't have to. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, that's what Bree going to a psychologist means. I don't have to. Either. She's like, so so Josh is feeling this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I've got to go twice a week, and um, based on Mister Ninety Seven's hair, uh, but you're. Uh, Obviously, <laughs> had a context that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, uh, you were talking about Thinkabell. That was you know seven, seven or eight months of your life. Yeah, uh, you've got a great opportunity with SCA. How mm. much can you talk about that? Uh, a little bit. So yeah, SCA is essentially doubling down in their investment in on-demand audio. Mm-hmm. So they are, which is podcasting, streaming. As I don't need to tell you guys. Um, and as part of that, they've asked me to help. Uh, come on board and, and create some new content. Mm-hmm. So um, I haven't started yet. Don't start. This is my week off. So yeah. this is my week of doing Organised August. Yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Organised yes. August. This yeah. is fucking great. Yeah. yeah. He actually really, gives me a, a semi-job you say <laughs> Organised August. Um, um, I had a big day yesterday I can talk about. But um, yeah, so I'll be I'll be joining the team there to, to just really help explode that out and, yeah. and figure out. Um, yeah, so what are they thinking about? Like is it um, obviously crime... Uh, podcasts are going massive. Like, is that yeah. uh, w- how much is that on your radar? Um, it's too premature for me to talk about what they're thinking mm-hmm. about. Like, I haven't started until next week. But um, in terms of my radar, I think it's really interesting that for a moment in time, the biggest podcast in the world was an Australian story produced in Australia by an Australian. That um, it was. It's just you know, previously I would have thought that that was just such a local thing mm. that would never work mm-hmm. overseas, but it became the biggest podcast in the world for a couple of weeks there. What is this? Um, teachers Pet. Teacher's Pet, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, how do we – what I find interesting is those things feel like they can have that global audience. Mm. Say what we're doing at the Daily Talk Show or even – Not as much. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And, <laughs> I'm kidding. I mean, to, I mean 20% of our – murder. We need to exactly. commit a murder. <laughs> yeah, That's a criminology. good idea. I mean, you're a, you've got Someone the criminology – <laughs> You've got a criminology background, so you're yeah. you're going to be primed to uh, to do that crime podcast stuff. Mm. But I mean, the talk show style. Mm. I wonder how much uh, opportunity there is to have a global audience. Look, I look. I think that what podcasting, what YouTube, um, what online content in general has shown us is that those geographic borders don't exist in the way mm. that we thought that they did. You can did. be a gronk anywhere in the world. You mm. can be a gronk. I'm not sure you'd want to be. <laughs> no, but, you do. No, you actually got no choice. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I don't think those geographic borders are what we think they are. I think mm. that, you know, just as we've been consuming American and English content our whole life, there's nothing to say that, you know, we're we're fortunate to, to live in an English-speaking country mm. Um and I think that means our stories, our conversations, our content can live anywhere in the world if we've, it's good enough. Well, you've got Hamish and Andy were on Jay Leno. Was that back in the day? Remember yeah. they were on the yeah, they US? Did. They did Jay Leno. Yeah, they did a couple of stories on Jay Leno. Um, one of the best things we did was with Christian O'Connell. We did a we figured out that his show 
was on air at the same time. His breakfast show in the in London was on air at the same time as our drive show. Oh, in Australia. So yeah. we did a simulcast um, where we broadcast for two hours live into both markets. It was a logistical head fuck, but so much fun, and and listeners loved it. Yeah, I think that that's the um, that's the stuff that sticks with me when I think about like Hamish and Andy. Mm. It is those big moments. Mm. What are if you were to think of your top moments in your mm. mind of where you're the most proud? Sure, it might not be necessarily the biggest thing, but yeah. the ones where it's like easily um, getting you two to surprise everyone and perform live on our last show in 2010. That's right. Hamish told the story at yeah. 100. Yeah, of of getting on. Getting, you know, the not being able to tell anyone. It was amazing. So we we figured out, so the boys were doing a tour around the country for our last week on air. And at that time we thought that was possibly going to be their last week doing Drive Ever. Um, How much of a head fuck was that for you? Like obviously when you're, um, you've got talent, mm. there's renegotiations all the time. Uh, as a producer, are you constantly thinking about like, oh, is this going to be the final? There's probably four years. Not really. You know? No, we were just we were just doing it, you know. Like there was, we were too busy doing that and um, and I had a national role. So I was a national executive producer. So a lot of my energy was going into developing new shows, developing mm. new producers. So crisis but, calls from Shepherd. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And so you um, were so this was the final the yeah. final show yeah. of do you remember what year? 2010. 2010. And um and we figured out that you two were performing the night after in Melbourne and we'd booked the uh, the night after our Melbourne show. So on the Friday, we were finishing in Melbourne at the Maya Music Bowl, which is um, for people outside of Melbourne. It's like a natural amphitheatre that holds about 5,000 people. It's amazing. I, I saw, saw red hot chilli peppers Oh, there. dude, I was at that one too. It's one of the best venues yeah. for just feeling mm. like you're outside. It's just the I sound. Felt so oh. cool. I felt like it was the closest I ever got to being a Triple M listener. Like got it. This. Okay. Yeah, and banging. Yeah. You're very cool the way you do that. <laughs> like a side headband. You have to watch the video, guys. Oh, yeah. And um, yeah. So anyway, and we, we had a relationship with their head of PR, our head of media and PR, who was this incredible Kiwi woman who we'd worked with um, about a year previously when we'd had them on the show just as a phone interview and she'd kind of set that up and, and – um, uh, really pushed us to come up with a better idea for the interview. It was it was really it was just a really good experience, and so I'd kind of just stayed in contact with her. And um, so when we realised that our show, our last show, lined up with with their Melbourne show at um, Etihad Stadium, I think um, I think it was for their 360 tour, um, we just started putting the feelers out, thinking this is such a fucking long shot. But <laughs> but we were we were booking live artists, and actually. Our big get that on that show was to get John Farnham to perform You're the Voice on that show. And that took probably six months of work, of working with his, with John's um, manager, Glenn Wheatley, and just just chipping away for six months to get them feeling comfortable that this is just something they should do. And they finally agreed, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, and then we got this phone call probably three days out because the boys were already on the – I was still in Melbourne. I think they were over in Adelaide. And get this phone call from this woman um, and she's like, Sam, um, I've got some news for you. The Irish rock band U2 will perform at uh, on your show. And we're like, fuck. <laughs> um, but she said, look, the only way... Do you we remember could- where you were when you yeah, took I the was, call? Yeah, completely. I was sitting, the show had just finished and I was sitting in the studio in Melbourne um, and I'd sort of gone out of the studio to take the call. And then she said, but look, 
the only way we can do this is if it's a surprise. Like the only if we if it becomes a publicized thing, mm-hmm. it just won't work. It needs to be a surprise moment. Um, so you know, no one else can find out about it because if it gets out, we'll just have to walk away from it and no one will ever know. So we're like, okay. So how do you <laughs> So remember on the day, you know, so we told our head of engineering, Andrea Cole, um, so because she had to work with the band's engineering team to, to get all their gear. Um, and they did it like a stripped back performance of a few songs. And then we told our boss, Grumpy Dave, um, but we hadn't, we, we were so terrified that this will leak and it won't happen. You know, they'll just yeah. walk away and people will be, no one will ever believe us. <laughs> so could you write down on a piece of paper how many people knew at that point? Like you just, it yeah, was- it would have been literally, I think the CEO knew. Um, Grumpy Dave knew and the head of engineering knew. Okay. That was and, and you. Did H&A know? Yeah, of course. Yeah, 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 okay. Sorry, and Hamish and Andy and myself. Yeah. And um, anyway, they t- the band turn up, you two turn up before our drive show starts. So it's live to wear between four and six and they've got a green room. And, you know, we couldn't even put you two in the green room and stuff. Like it was just so. To you. Two X you. No one will ever get that. <laughs> um, and I remember the general manager at, at the time, the band had turned up. Hamish and myself had gone and met them. Had you them. done anything on air to say it would be no. great to get you two? Uh, Was there any arc or had. anything? No, or, I don't no. think we had. Okay. I don't think we dared yeah. do that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, the band turned up and they were lovely and generous and they wanted to really understand um, – what the cultural significance was of Hamish and Andy and how they were fitting into it. And, yeah. and the boys had written this really funny song called We Are Better Than You Two. And the whole <laughs> idea was we were going to perform that mm-hmm. and then the U2 would come on sort of singing We Are Better Than You Two and then sort of take over. And so we'd try to, ex- you know, we'd explain that to them and they were just so humble and listening and, you know, um, just wanted to get it. Um, they also, I remember really clearly, wanted to make sure they didn't upstage John Farnham, which was wow. which was so interesting. Like their management were just really clear around, you know, it's really important that we can do this, but we don't want to No King Gronks. No King Gronks. Exactly yeah. right. They yeah. understood in that that how important to Australians um John Farnham was and that he mm. was performing last on the mm-hmm. show and that that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. But um and yeah, I remember our general manager coming around at some point going, Sam Two are here. (laughs) (laughs) I know. They're going to perform. He's like, what? Like it was fucking cool. Like you can't, the element of surprise, you just can't. Like if we had promoted that for three Mm. weeks, it just never would have had the same impact. But a surprise is just, yeah. So is that the lesson? Like is the, uh, because I know like having been in radio, there's a lot of, um, oh, you leave the room. I want to talk about this thing. And even 97 and I have worked out that's like, oh, if, he wants to bring something, mm. then it's great to um, bring it to one of us, mm. so we can have one one have reaction. A genuine conversation. Yeah, yeah, I mean, what are, what are the lessons from that specific moment? Oh, there's so many. I mean, to me, it was just as a producer watching how their whole team operated, how their their um, their road, their tour manager, this guy Brian Seller, um, and um, Francis, who was their um, who. PR yeah, and media yeah. liaison, just the, just the, I mean, they're really smart people, but they're really um, just very humble and they like, you know, they've got good manners. They, mm. you know, they, it's about saying thank you. It's about, um, it's about being very culturally sensitive, you know, to 
what environment that they were coming into. Um, and, you know, they just did things well. They just, mm. they were like, um, let's only do this if it's going to be really great. Mm. Um, do you th- I mean, it might not be that hard to impress people, right? Like, so, so if people mm. meet, I know Hamish and, you know, Andy have met them a bunch of mm. times. When you meet them, they're kind. Mm. They give you engaged conversation for mm. whatever moment you have with them. They're sure. big, tall. You know, they've really got a presence about them, mm. which I don't feel like they're seems like they're going out of their way. They're just being mm. great people. I think mm. Jules Lund is the same. Totally. You're the same. I mean, you're all best friends, right? Mm. It's like it's um and then so when you when you expect something like from a rock star, mm. it's like you can rattle people quite quickly by just being the thing that most people want and mm. expect. Because maybe they have a different expectation yeah. on you. Yeah, I wonder that, like, Sammy, that uh, perspective or that mm. way of doing business, how how do you think, like, us as a show, like how could we mm. bring that culture to our team with, at, from the beginning? How do you start that? Like what are, what are the, the few things, the actions? Yeah. Maybe it's how we have our relationship. Like we're constantly thinking about our guests and how we can mm. – better communicate with our guests. Do you know what? One really simple thing, and Jules Lund taught me this, was just the art of saying thank you. Mm -hmm. Like taking time to thank people well is such a simple thing to do that goes such a long way. Mm -hmm. Like, um, you know, Jules and I did a late night show before I was in radio. Um, He won a competition. We'd already told this story, but anyway, it was a late night show. It was like at 10 o'clock at night to midnight on Tuesday nights or something. Um, no one was listening, but we treated it as if it was a big deal because we didn't know any better. And um, That's all you can do. I yeah, mean, that's yeah. the other thing we yeah. talk about is just like delusion helps. Totally. Yeah. We <laughs> thought, fuck, we're on Fox FM. This is massive. Yeah. It wasn't until years later I realised that not so much. But um, anyway, uh, and then after that, Jules made these cards and we wrote a thank you card to everyone that had helped us um, just make this show. And it's only now that we realise how generous people were actually being. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, people had actual jobs (laughs) and they were helping these kids do this late night show. And, um, and, uh, you know, someone who we'd given one of those cards to came up to me a few years ago and just said, you know, I've still got that that card where you guys um, said thank you. And, And I just think it's such a simple thing and it, and it just creates a spirit of generosity. It, you get more out of it than other people, but um, yeah, it's a simple, it's a simple one. It's old school, yeah. It's just being old school, exactly. Well, yeah, I think that it's um, it's something that can easily be looked over when yeah. you're just constantly oh, totally. producing. Move into the next thing. Yeah. Yeah. You tell our kids to say thank you, and, yeah. Yeah. and then you lose so it. Thank you, and then you yeah. forget to do it as yeah, an adult. True. Um, before you go, what are you what are you excited about in the next week? You know, like starting a new role, yeah. I find it's like you know, talking organised August, getting everything yeah. organised. Mm. What is it for you? What are you doing? So which, next week or this week? No, this week organized in the preparation. In I the did preparation. a great organised August yesterday. Yeah. What did so, you do? Um, I took my car to get serviced. Right. I um, went to the doctor mm. to get some Perfect. stuff sorted that yeah. I needed to get sorted. Did a blood donation. Oh, great. Um, nice. Which I've been putting off for a long time. Uh, did the supermarket shopping. Um Yes, it's probably not as impressive. No, that's good. Today I'm going to uh, we've got a we've got a meeting with a financial planner. Oh, great! Yeah, he, you should have him on. That would be a good okay, conversation. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Um, anyway, so Katie and I are doing a session. My partner and I are doing a session with a financial planner. That, mm. Again, something I've put off. So I just wanted to take a week between finishing one job, starting another job. All that life admin mm. shit that you just put off. I'm yeah. trying to 
tick it all uh, off. I, call myself, I like how you just sort of, once you actually work out what you did, have done, mm. it can sometimes be underwhelming. It I is. caught myself on yeah. Sunday doing the washing. I'm like, oh, organized August. I'm yeah. like, actually, who yeah. normally does this? No, yeah. That's <laughs> just what people do. You yeah. don't need to go and give yourself a cookie for <laughs> yeah, doing exactly. your own washing. It doesn't need a hashtag. Do you think, sure. Sammy, the, the new job at SCA will have less of that feeling of swimming, understanding what you're doing? When I mean, you're back in your um, do you know old... What? I think it'll be – what's interesting about it, it's a really familiar environment but a really unfamiliar, undefined challenge. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, working in a traditional media business and trying to work out how that business future-proofs itself and, um, and plans for the future of content – is um is its own challenge but yeah absolutely the environment will be much mm. more familiar and the people you know there's some awesome people i'm really looking forward to working mm. with again are you getting uh, your old office back or <laughs> no i'm not i don't know i don't actually quite know where i'm gonna be or what I'm gonna i know be. it's in the digital area yeah how do you <laughs> know no, I'm um so <laughs> <laughs> I was it's right. a two, two meter by two meter uh, yeah, yeah box yeah, maybe <laughs> i mean that's sea has come a long way in regards to digital like mm. you think about the perspective of yeah. when i was the you know web guy josh mm. Versus where it is today, mm. it's amazing. How it's funny fun. how SEO as a company has come such a long way, but yet you're still wearing <laughs> still the exact same jumper. Not much. That's not much. It's interesting. New hat, though. New hat. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's something. Uh, Sammy, thanks for coming on the Thank show. Thank you, mate. guys. Um, and and you know, congratulations on this. I think that this is um, just a, it's an awesome success that you you really just created something from nothing. Yeah. I love that it's undefined and you're comfortable with the ambiguity of it, but mm. I think you're building something really special. So congratulations well, thanks, to you too. Thanks, Sammy. It's a daily talk show. Hi at the daily talk show.com is the email address if you want to send an email. Also, uh, take a uh, – don't, don't What's that? Just, what did no, you no, throw I on just, the ground? Josh's card that something. he had nothing <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the notes for uh, interviewing Sam Kavanagh. If, if, you've, uh, <laughs> if you've listened or watched, we'll take a screen grab on uh, Instagram, uh, tag us up so we can see that you're uh, listening and we can say thank you. We might mm. even send a card. That'd be lovely. Uh, it's yeah. a daily talk show. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you guys.